The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have a special guest with me on today's podcast episode, Dr. Terry Walls. She's been on our podcast before, but this time, Dr. Walls is explaining a study that she has going on right now. She wants you guys to know about this study so that you can participate or, at the very least, stay up to date with what's happening. The study is comparing the modified Paleolithic diet which is basically eliminating gluten, dairy, and eggs. And she's comparing it to the ketogenic diet and usual diet information about the USDA Dietary Guidelines for Americans. She's looking to determine whether these diets improve quality of life and reduce fatigue. On today's episode, Dr. Walls talks to us about the study, what to expect, and how to participate. She also shares some of her best tips for starting a new diet and how long you should stay consistent for before trying something new. Dr. Terry Walls, thank you so much for being here with us today. Great, and thank you for having me back. Of course. So I remember about two years ago learning about the first study that was done comparing the Walls protocol in people with MS, and I'm really excited to learn the ins and outs and details of this second study. Can you give us a glimpse, especially if people weren't aware that there was a first study, what that one was about and how this one relates? Sure. So this was what we call a parallel group study design. So we were comparing a low saturated fat diet, commonly known as the Swank diet, and a modified Paleolithic diet, commonly known as the Walls diet. And we had a 12-week observation period where people came in, we did all of their assessments. So we said, please keep on your usual diet for 12 weeks. We'll come back, repeat the assessments. And then we randomized them to either get the low saturated fat diet or the modified paleo diet. And then they came back in 12 weeks. We repeated the assessments again. And then we didn't have as much support. They continued for another 12 weeks and we brought them back a fourth time. So we have four looks. The first two looks would tell us the stability of the measures. And it's no surprise, you know, fatigue did not improve, quality of life did not improve, walking function, hand function, and working memory that was stable during that time period. They get randomized. And then we looked at fatigue, quality of life, walking, hand function, and working memory. And and perhaps it's not surprising, both groups improved. And the primary outcome was fatigue severity scale score. And statistically, it was the same for the Swank group and the Walls group at both 12 and 24 weeks. A more sensitive fatigue measure, the modified fatigue impact scale, again, improved in both groups, but was significantly more improved, that is a greater reduction in the Walls group than the Swank group. Quality of life, likewise, improved in both groups. In both physical health, mental health, 
was significantly more improved in the Walls group than the Swank group. But what I think is really important is they both improved. So if a low-fat diet speaks to you more because you have heart disease or you have diabetes, you're, you're really worried about saturated fat because of your family history, by all means, follow the Swank diet. We have some good evidence that that is helpful. If the Paleolithic diet speaks to you more, then yes, follow the Paleolithic diet. What we can also tell you with confidence is the standard American diet will not improve your fatigue or quality of life or motor function. And we would anticipate because MS is a progressive disease that over time, even if you're taking disease-modifying drugs, you will see an erosion or a decline in those capabilities. And I think it's really powerful to just at the very least knowing that there's option. That research alone that you just discussed hopefully is inspiring to a lot of people that A, there's options, but B, there is the possibility of feeling better and having improved energy. So I think when people hear that, hopefully it will pique their interest to start looking into this a little more. Oh, absolutely. I want people to feel empowered, like, oh my goodness, there is, you know, yes, take disease modifying drugs, you know, work with your uh, neurologist about what decisions you're going to make about drugs. But everyone should be addressing diet. And there are a number of diets that are being investigated. People know that I investigate the Paleolithic diet based on my own personal experience. But there are other investigators that investigate other diets as well. And I'm so excited that you had me come back because thanks to a very generous donor, the Chapman Shreve Family Foundation, we are able to do this very big study. Again, uh, we're going to uh, look at the modified paleo diet. We're adding another arm, the ketogenic diet arm, and then we'll have a usual diet arm where we'll give people the information from the dietary guidelines on tips to reduce added sugar, reduce processed foods, eat more of these radical things known as vegetables. And so in the usual care arm, you get a monthly text and email with links to some really fun resources to improve your diet. The intervention group gets a orientation with the dietitian for either the ketogenic diet arm or the paleolithic arm, and then monthly group support calls. And they have access to the dietitians if they have questions about either of the two intervention diets. And I want to make it clear that we don't really know which group will be the best. It may well be that the usual care group, with their monthly tips from us on how to improve their diet, will do just as well as the two intervention groups with perhaps a more moderate change of their diet so that they are no longer following the standard American diet, but they're actually improving their diet as a family, and that that group may do just as well as the intervention group. We really don't know, so I'm excited to find out. And I'm really, really excited because we'll have MRIs at the baseline. Oh, wow. Okay. And these are done with a research unit, so there's no contrast. I want to make that clear. There's no gadolinium, no contrast. You get the baseline MRI, and then at two years, you come back for a follow-up MRI, which means we'll be able to see, are there enhancing lesions without gadolinium, because we're using a a research-grade MRI? And we'll be able to see changes in brain volume. We're also doing some special scans so we can see changes in myelination. And I'm really excited about that because people remyelinate. Early in the disease course, there's a lot of remyelination going on. And as we get further into our disease, we can't repair nearly as well. I expect that one of the things that we'll be able to see is that as people improve their diet, the ability to remyelinate will be improved. And so compared to the remyelination rates of the 
control arms of other studies that have looked at brain atrophy and brain volume in the DMT arm, in the control arm, we know what the predicted rate of brain volume loss and remyelination loss is in MS folks. And I'm thinking that all three arms will do much better than the published control rates. So we'll be looking at that. I am so excited. I think it's very, very possible that all three arms will have a healthy rate of brain volume loss, which will be astounding. And we're able to do that again, because we're going to have a two-year intervention. Yeah, that's so unique. Again, I remember two years ago hearing that if there was funding, that, that looking at the MRIs was something that was hopefully going to be part of the next study. And I think that's so unique because now it's not only subjective with the questionnaires that they fill out and how they're feeling, but there will be actual data of what is happening in the brain based on what we eat, which is just really, really exciting and unique. I think that approach will help there be more believers that it actually is making a difference. Absolutely. And doing this two years, it's hard to get enough funding to run a dietary intervention study for a year, let alone two years, because you've made your study way more expensive by doubling the length of time. And our last study, it was a six-month intervention. So now basically it's four times as long. We'll be able to see a much larger impact on the brain. And we're looking at walking, you know, how well they walk at baseline for six minutes, how well they walk at three months for six minutes, and how well they walk at two years for six minutes. I'm going to be really curious about that. In our Swank versus Wall study, we told people don't start exercising. This is a diet study. If your physician tells you, to go do an exercise program or PTOT, yes, do that. But otherwise, don't add anything until the end. We didn't expect that walking would change. And of course, it didn't at 12 weeks. But it was quite interesting that at 24 weeks, the Walls group had clinically significant improvement in their walking endurance and statistically improved walking distance. At the p-value between Swank and Walls was 0.08, so not really statistically significant. But I think it's really interesting that six months of good diet, people had better endurance. Yeah. What will happen in two years? Yeah, I will say I have a decent amount of clients who can notice right away if their nutrition is off track because it affects their walking. For some people, it's they can tell if they've had too much salt. For other people, they can tell if they've had too much sugar or, you know, X, Y, Z because their walking is slower or it's harder to lift their legs. So I absolutely believe that and I'm excited to see two years what the possibilities might be. It'll be be. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. My own self, trigeminal neuralgia is my most troubling symptom from the MS. So if I get exposed to my food triggers, which are gluten, dairy, and eggs, I can tell my face pain, my face is tingling, and then I start having electrical jolts like, okay, what was the trigger? How did I get exposed? Or or I may discover that I have too much stress, that I've not been doing enough of my meditative practices. So like, okay. Yeah, that's big. I got to prioritize that more. I really like too that you mentioned that it's going to be comparing several different types of diets. I think you had said three, which yes. is nice because that also I feel is rare. Most studies, even if it's something about exercise or disease modifying therapies, just look at either a placebo in one intervention 
or two different interventions, but it's very rare to have three different interventions. And I think from that, regardless of what the results are, again, hopefully it will give people options, but there may be a clear winner, which also would be a cool outcome. Whatever we learn at the end, if all three groups are equally beneficial, that will be very informative. If it turns out ketogenic diet is the most efficacious, but paleo is helpful and the just improving your diet somewhat is helpful, but maybe not quite as helpful. It will give people options because a ketogenic diet is a little more intense to follow. It's lower in carbs, higher in fat, and that's a bigger difference from the standard American diet. So uh, that may be a bit more challenging. On the other hand, Keto is very, very popular now. I see lots and lots of interest in keto. And as we're screening folks, people have already some preference that they would really rather be in the paleo group or they'd rather be in the keto group. Just as when we were screening people for the swank versus walls, it was pretty even split that people really wanted to be in the swank group or really wanted to be in the walls group. So to be in our study, the big criteria is that you have to be okay with being randomized. Because that's how science works. We randomize people so you have an equal chance to be in any one of the three groups. Then once you're assigned to that group, we'll support you so you can be successful in that group. And we want to remind everyone that we really don't know which group is going to be the most successful. And we think it's really quite possible that the control group, the usual diet group that gets these monthly tips, will have just as good an outcome as the intervention groups with a whole lot less work. And that you'll find that you and your family, as you gradually keep improving your diet, the families will be supportive. They'll experience some perhaps improvements in their quality of life and their symptoms and their energy. And your kids may be doing a little bit better in school to your surprise and may be a little less irritable and cranky to your delight. (laughs) And you're like, wow, you know, this, this actually is a pretty good thing. Yeah. Very true. So is this only for people with relapsing forms of MS or also progressive? It's only for relapsing remitting MS. It's only for adults age 18 to 70. You have to get to Iowa City. You need to be willing to share your medical records so that one, I can confirm the diagnosis according to the McDonald's 2017 criteria in that we'd be able to contact your physician if there's any kind of adverse event that happens, we can get the medical records and see what's going on. And that you would be willing, again, to be randomized into one of these three diets. We'll also want you to have access to high-speed technology, IT, so you could do the video meetings that you do with our study team and complete the online questionnaires that we have you do every three months. But you can also go to your libraries to get that high-speed internet access. Because I know rural America has high-speed at varying degrees. So for some, it may mean going to your local library. Nice. And is there a level of disability that was cut off or was the oh, yeah. test um, What was that like? Um, you'll need to be able to walk 25 feet independently. You can do so with a cane. You could do so with a ankle foot arthrosis. If you're a walker, we're not able to take you. Gotcha. How many people are currently enrolled? I think we have, as of last week, uh, 36, and we have room for 120 more because we're trying to get to 156. So we'll be recruiting for another 18 months. And so, Dr. Howley, I'm going to ask that you have me back in about a year so I can put another pitch out because we'll probably still be recruiting and looking for uh, more folks to come in. 
Absolutely. And I know that you can't publish any type of results until it's all said and done, but are you guys going to be letting us know and keeping us up to date of how well, the participants that are currently participating doing? So what I can tell you is that we have people in and that our data safety monitoring board is agreeing that it's safe, that the data is still looking promising, and there's no reason to close the study. The reasons you close studies early are, one, the data is so compelling, like there's no need to continue because we already know it's like just stunningly successful, or that it's stunningly harmful that we don't want to hurt anyone. And so it's very unusual that you close studies early, but we do have a data safety monitoring board. And as a matter of fact, we'll be meeting next month about this time. And they'll be looking at our data thus far. And we meet with them every six months so they can review and make sure everything is going in a safe and a positive direction. It's a little maddening how long this takes. So, you know, we've got probably five years before the data is cleaned, being analyzed, and then we'll be getting submitted to Actrums, Actrums, uh, CMSC, whichever conference is coming up that will hopefully get it presented. And then we'll be submitting it to places like JAMA Neurology, and they'll say yay or nay, and then we'll go to MSJ, and they'll say yay or nay, and then we'll go to MSJ ETC, and they'll say yay or nay, and then you eventually find a home, wherever that is. <laughs> now, on, on another sort of positive note, our postdoc, Dr. Titcomb, looked at all of the dietary intervention studies and did a network meta-analysis of that and wrote that up and has it submitted to a very, very high impact neurology journal that'll be coming out talking about the very positive findings that, you know what, these radical things known as vegetables turn out to be really good for you and that begin working on your diet with a dietary pattern that you and your family can do together as a family, whether it's a Mediterranean, paleo, low fat, intermittent fasting, a well-thought-out vegetarian diet, but begin working on your diet. Yeah. And how long do you like to suggest that someone sticks to one of those diets before switching it up and before making the conclusion of, oh, this didn't work for me? In my clinical practice at the VA, we would get people started in the therapeutic lifestyle clinic. Then I would see them every month. The vast majority will tell us within three months, uh, reduced fatigue, better energy, better mental clarity. And many folks could see that difference as early as four weeks. I'd say about half would see it at four weeks. 80% will see it within 12 weeks. So if you're not getting a, a response at four weeks, you know, give it time, give it 12. And then at 12 weeks, if you're like, okay, I'm really not seeing a response, then maybe you want to switch to a different dietary pattern. And maybe if you're already doing the paleo diet, maybe you want to switch to a Mediterranean diet. Maybe you want to switch to a low-fat diet or a ketogenic diet. Whatever pattern you're going to do, if you do it as a family, it'll be much more successful. And the other ways that dietary change can be more successful is sort of do it incrementally. And before you focus on what to remove, focus on what you're adding. So if, if you say like, okay, I've got to do the Mediterranean or the paleo diet, I'm going to focus on adding the vegetables. I get those locked in. Now I'm going to focus on getting rid of the added sugar. So I'm going to take out the soda, the sugar-sweetened beverages. And then next thing maybe I'm going to take out is the white flour-based products, white bread, pastas. Even if they're gluten-free, they're still uh, too much high, high glycemic index kind of stuff. In my clinics, people were most successful. They did it sort of step-by-step step that way. 
I like that. That makes it feel more manageable too, especially if someone's not used to any type of diet and just eating whatever they want. You want to do it at achievable steps, mm-hmm. one step at a time. And you and your family have a negotiation as to what's the step that we're going to work on this week. And that'll make it much easier. I'll tell you, if you're my clinical trial, my dietitians will have you do it on a much more rapid pace. If you're my practice, we'll do it at your pace. But if you're my <laughs> clinical trials, we'll, we'll want you to be fully on board within a couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. That, that's a good differentiation there. So for those that are part of your clinical trial, you'd mentioned a little bit ago that you'll be doing some tests along the way to keep track of walking, yeah. energy. How frequently are so, those tests going to be done? So the in-person visit is month zero, month three, month 24. The online stuff that people can do with their phone or their computer, we do every three months. So we have a variety of questionnaires that people are doing about fatigue, quality of life, anxiety, depression. And there's also some questionnaires about what you're eating. And that dietary index, that's a long one, Boo, but it's a dietary intervention study. So we really need to know what you and your family are eating so we can have a sense, are you being successful with whichever diet that you've been assigned? Absolutely. Yeah. I can see that being very important in this type of study. So if someone is interested in participating, how would they go about getting started? We have a study brochure at our Walls Lab site. They can click on and there are links that will take you to a screening survey that you complete to let us know that you're eligible. Then we'll contact you to get the medical records to confirm your diagnosis. Then we have a call that's actually fairly lengthy telling you in pretty clear details what the study is about, what the diets are like, and what you would be doing. So you can reflect on, yep, I can do this, or what kind of support that you would need to be more successful. Then we schedule you for consent call and get things going. If you want to email the study team, that's at msdietstudy at healthcare.uiowa.edu. I'll make sure that you have all of those links, Dr. Holly, so you can put them in your show notes. Awesome. Yeah, they will definitely be there. So if anyone's driving or can't pay attention right now, just check the show notes later and you'll find those. I am so excited to stay up to date with all this. Nutrition is such a hot topic. Anytime I talk to an MS support group, nutrition is always brought up. And some people will say, you know, this diet worked for me. And someone else will say, well, that didn't work for me at all, but this one did. And everyone goes around sharing their thoughts. And I think it's going to be really special to have research for Mm -hmm. these specific ones. Obviously there's tons of different diets out there and everyone's body is different, but it'll be nice to show what happens in the brain and to our bodies. Absolutely. Diets. When people will be critical of our study, uh, the swank versus walls, because it didn't help everyone. I have to remind them that even the very best, highly effective disease-modifying drug treatment are 100% effective at stopping the relapses. None of them are 100% effective at preventing conversion to secondary progressive forms of MS. They reduce and slow. And we're so excited about those drugs because they can reduce the frequency of relapse by 68% over placebo. So it's not that they take it down to zero relapses for the next year. They just reduce the number of relapses by 68%. And that is true for 
every drug therapy I, and every surgical therapy that I've ever studied as a physician. There is nothing that is 100% effective for anything. Yeah, you know, that's even true with exercises. There's certain exercises that are great for hip flexor strengthening, but for some people, they require a different position or a different form of a hip flexor strengthening. So I totally understand. We're unique, we are variable, we have things that will be helpful, but it's unrealistic to think that we'll ever find one diet that works for every single person. And we'll never have a medication that works for every single person. The one thing that we can do that works for every single person is you can design poisons that kill 100% of your target animal, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to have recovery. And so we'll keep making things better and better. And if it doesn't work for you, consult with your physician, consult with your family, and then look for an alternative strategy. Yeah. And one thing you mentioned earlier too, was the possibility of nutrition helping with remyelination. And one thing we do know from research is that remyelination is going to be a lot of different things. It's not just going to be something simple, like here's this pill, take this and remyelinate. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be exercise, nutrition, some type of therapy. And so I like to think of it as since that doesn't exist right now, do what you can right now so that when something does come to assist with the remyelination, you're already on track with your exercises and with your nutrition. So you're already halfway there, hopefully. You know, Dr. Holly, I've been studying remyelination a lot and actually working on a course for remyelination based on that. And one of the themes I saw again and again and again is that the drug studies work great in mice, great in rats, and fail in humans. And now the scientists are saying, you know what, we need to do a multimodal approach because you're going to have to do rehabilitation. You're going to have to do address everything. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, we've been saying that for a long time, that you're going to have to do diet, you're going to have to do exercise, you're going to have to take care of sleep, you're going to have to take care uh, of stress. And yeah, there may be targeted supplements. And yeah, there may be drugs that could nudge it a little bit, but there's going to be no drug that's going to work with a terrible diet and terrible sleep and terrible stress and no exercise. There's never going to be a drug that's going to remyelinate in that kind of environment. It's just not going to happen, folks. I couldn't agree more. I think it's going to be this multimodal approach for sure with remyelination. And and there's so many things that we can do right now that's part of that multimodal approach and nutrition being one of them. So I appreciate you sharing all of your expertise and also letting us know about this study. Again, if any of my listeners are interested in participating, I'll put the links and the email address in the show notes so you guys can look there. And thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the wonderful work you're doing as well. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you love this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. 
Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.